You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I'll bring it back. I'm running on the fast break, behind the back. Yeah, this, that, this, that, this, that. Dirk with the Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, writer at Mavs.com, and just overall lover of pizza of all kinds. What you got for me, Isaac? Pizza? Why didn't you say pizza? You love pizza. I do like pizza. Pizza's, pizza's um, good. Had some pizza tonight. Um, I feel like we didn't give enough love or enough attention yesterday to the burner account story we talked about it for like a second well well, we recorded right when it was right when the story came out and it just happened we talked about it briefly i think it was so quick that i had read it and you hadn't read it yet like it it just dropped i had seen it i had seen the ringer tweet it and you said you had read it and you said it was wild and i was like okay i'll read it later and then we started the podcast and (laughs) <laughs> it's crazy how big it has gotten. Okay, do you, have you ever found it difficult to explain to your wife or to other people yes. that's not an NBA the the aspect of NBA Twitter? Because it's it's trying to explain an entire context. It's, you're trying to explain almost an, an entire environment or a community. Like, how do you explain? Like, if it's trying to explain like church to somebody else, you know, to somebody that had never been to church before. Like, yeah. there are people now. Like, growing up, like when my my dad used to say that. You know, when he grew up, that every single person went to church. Now, it's not true, but it felt like a huge number of people went to church. Now, a lot of people grow up and they've never walked into a church or even heard, you know, of going to church. You know, so it's like trying to explain that culture, like what it's like being in a group of people that kind of think like you. The idea of of different uh, words that you say to each other, different uh, like explaining stories. How, you know how that works it's it's explaining a whole <laughs> i mean like yeah. a whole culture to somebody a whole language i mean there's all the stuff that we say and talk about that she would understand so i tried to explain it to my wife last night and she was like what that's kind of weird and she just thought she just assumed that it was fake like it wasn't a real story because it just sounds so ridiculous yeah i like i sent the article to my wife today and she was at work for her to read and she was like wow that's crazy i'm like Okay. Yeah. Well, and then it, it got even harder when I was trying to explain it to my dad who doesn't have Twitter. Yeah. So it's like. I didn't even try with my parents. And <laughs> so like I've tried to explain the story to like three different people today and I just found it really hard to explain NBA Twitter and how something could blow up on NBA Twitter and then the concept of why the story is a big deal using Twitter terms and likes yeah. and <laughs> Like burner accounts, <laughs> but just, he replied to certain people, and he replied to certain seventy six. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, okay, whatever. And then he likes a recover account in the last two digits of the number. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> like what's going on? Man? He was at a uh, Delaware eighty sevener's game at the same exact time that this account tweeted that the Delaware eighty sevener's jersey. <laughs> so, I don't. If you I haven't read this, what. if you haven't read the story, if you have no idea what we're talking about, this is. Uh, the story by the ringer, and it doesn't really ac- accuse Brian Colangelo of this straight out. They were very, they were very like careful about that. But there's these five accounts. One of them has now been claimed by Brian Colangelo, the GM of the 76ers, that he was running this account 
the five other ones or the four other ones or whatever uh, have not been specifically claimed by him yet, but they all have very similar, you know, language and they were revealing things about the team at the time and just weird things following similar accounts. And all this story is on the ringer and it it is fascinating and just the weirdest thing. And I thought Zach Lowe said it best that we are a day away from the finals. Actually game one, if you're listening to this on Thursday is tonight. So (laughs) game one of the NBA finals is tonight. And all anyone could talk about is five Twitter accounts that may or may not have been owned by a GM of an NBA franchise that is not in the finals. And what's crazy (laughs) is is Colangelo. I know Colangelo's in LA right now at some of these pro days and he's with, some other team executives that may or might not be close that are just to, pointing fingers at him and laughing their heads off, <laughs> just cracking up so much. I bet. So, yeah. So it's just like, I don't know. It's just a, it's a weird. And then of course, Embiid is the best in the league with Twitter and him so getting good. involved last night. It just turned into one of those nights that, I mean, I was like trying to get things done. I'm trying to work on the story. No and, chance. And I'm just like, I'm just found myself just updating Twitter. And I'm like, wow, what am I doing with my life right now? But it was entertaining night. Usually I try to post the Mavs Moneyball post for Locked on Mavs at the same time as the podcast. But I couldn't until today because I was just so involved in looking up Twitter. And even going back, looking up different things and seeing memes and seeing all this stuff. Man, I, I love NBA Twitter so much. It's so great. It's just, it's a community, man. It's kind of weird. Which, I mean... I think you follow more people than I do. There's it, some people get on my nerves. They're they're yeah. muted or they're gone really quick from my timeline. But for the most part, it's pretty fun. So the 76ers are now doing an internal investigation. Uh, okay. Which what is this? Would what be the, like Trump saying that his own people are going to like investigate him. And apparently, they're saying that it was Colangelo's wife that was. Uh, Owner of some, stuff tonight, but that that yeah. seems like a pretty easy, like oh yeah. <laughs> let me let me wake my wife up right now and say, hey, will you take the blame for anything I do? Yeah, sure. Hey, my job <laughs> is on the line. Can you can you take this? Yeah, I mean, sure. our uh, our bills are on the line right now. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah. <laughs> before we before we anyway. talk about our our second rounders, I was gonna mention something about ESPN's mock draft. Yeah, we can do that. I also wanted to uh, talk about the the uh, Celtics rumor that's kind of going around right now. Oh, uh, we just just at least talk about it and, and and sort of and hash it out. So let's do that, Isaac. Let's talk about uh, that ESPN mock, and we'll talk about the uh, the um, Celtics rumor. And today, what we're trying to get to is we're talking about second round guards. So guys that could be targeted with probably the 33rd, but maybe the 55th pick that the Mavericks have. Uh, we each have three guys that we have researched and looked up that we want to talk about. So we'll get to that, but Isaac, let's do that in just one second. All right, Isaac ESPN's mock draft. We talked about it a little bit yesterday, but you got something else you want to say. Well, it, it's not the one that was live on TV. Okay. Gavoni and Draft Express guys released like their official mock draft with analysis, with reasoning behind the picks. The one on TV was just a back and forth, just live thing. I think they were just doing for ratings. But this one I put a little <laughs> bit more stocking into. And I, I found it really intriguing that Gavoni, they have Luca going four to Memphis. Wow. And wow. that the drop could be real. 
and he talked about in his Kings pick, he says word around the NBA is that they're not very high on Luka Doncic, the strength of his drafts in the front court. They're reportedly looking to take advantage of that. They want one of those big dudes. And that's where it just gets and wild. Like there's some reports out today also that like DeAndre Ayton is a hundred percent going to Phoenix. Yeah. That that is like pretty much a done deal. I can't remember who tweeted that today. Uh, I'll see. I've seen a couple people have said that. I mean, that's becoming the Woj said on live. I think um, Wasserman. You might be talking about Wasserman. Yes, that's the one Jay- that. Yeah. Jonathan Washington. Jamie Wu, maybe somebody like I know. There's a couple draft guys. They're like, man, that's all they're hearing with that. So it gets interesting, especially with Sacramento. I, I just I can't I just can't see a scenario he let, goes past four. I just think somebody somebody down in that top ten, if he really could possibly fall, will trade up to that two or three spot for him. But anyway, that's the only thing they had. Bomba going five to Dallas, like everything. I didn't pay attention to their second round picks because they, they had Mitchell Robinson going to Dallas with their second round pick. And I'm like, why would we draft Robinson and Bomba? Makes no sense. But I would take no I would take Robinson if we didn't get a center at the beginning. If you could get Mitchell Robinson with the thirty third pick, that's a heck of a Yeah, he's he's re- he was projected by a lot of people to go in like fifteen to twenty. Yeah. So that's the only thing I have with I just wanted to mention that real quick. Yeah. So the uh, the other rumor is that the Celtics are really into Mo Bamba. There's been a lot of talk about Jalen Brown being available, uh, the 27th pick being available. This was Sean Devaney from Sporting News. That, yeah, Devaney. Devaney. De- De- yeah, something like yeah. that. Uh, that was what he reported today. Uh, it's an interesting thought. Uh, we I texted Isaac, and we are absolutely 100%. I would do it, honestly, if it was just the fifth pick for Jalen Brown. But if you're talking the 27th pick in it as well, and then maybe another pick too, someone said, uh, another first-round pick next year, I don't know. obviously I would do that too. But I think Jalen Brown is good enough, and he is at a position of intense need for the Mavericks and would just be awesome on this team and would be really, really great. Oh my gosh, dude! I can't. I mean, first off, Jalen for five, you're doing a heartbeat. He's 21 years old. Pairing him with Dennis, I mean, and I've you're already, trading a guy still won. on. You're trading a guy still on his rookie deal. So let's say he like explodes. He makes the All NBA team. I'm pretty sure they could still give him the supermax if he's still on his rookie deal. Ooh, I don't know. I think you. I think you could still do that. Draft, that. The team that drafts him. But anyway, but, you'd still have his bird rights. You'd still be able to give yeah. him a max. You're still going to have him for a long time. I I love Jalen Brown personally. And if you got a pick, like if you got the pick in the deal also, like let's just say you got the 27th pick. Yeah. Well, then that you might be able to jump ahead. Like you might be able to attach to 27 and 33 to move back into those that teen spot. To get that Denver pick. Yeah. And like, you let's, know, like something like that. Let's say, yeah, you move up, you get the Denver pick, you get something along those lines and you walk away with Jalen Brown and, you know, like a Robert Williams or, or whatever it is, some you know, one of another wing or something like that. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, Jalen Brown, I'm taking that in a heartbeat. I mean, if he's like 26, I'm thinking about it a little bit more, but he's just 21. Like, yeah. this is a year older than Dennis. So, um, and he's yeah, better I than Dennis, in my opinion. I, yeah, defensively, everything, he's like a super, super smart guy. And a small thing here, I think it speaks a little bit into the Bamba stuff too. And we've been hyping up Bamba a lot for a reason. And Yeah, if the Celtics if, really like Bamba, they are the ones that just 
as everybody was saying over and over during the playoffs that they bamboozled the 76ers and got, you know, they got their guy, Jason Tatum, and you were able to get a future asset. And they drafted Jalen Brown three overall when everybody was like, that's kind of a reach. I don't know about that. And then all of a sudden he looks like a really great prospect. You know, all these hits that they've been getting, if they're super into Bamba, if this isn't a smokescreen, then, uh, yeah, then maybe the Mavs would just stay put and take him. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with Bamba, man. You Not only is his workouts and his, like, physicality just, like, make teams drool, but when they get a set-down interview with him and they actually talk to him, I mean, I feel like that's when people rave about him the most because he is super smart. He is just a, a good dude to talk to from everybody, you know, knows the game, just everything with that. So that's why I keep on saying all along, don't be surprised if he's in that – two to three conversation on draft night. Yeah. Uh, another draft story I want to get to. Um, the Lakers worked out a prospect. Seriously? And uh, I think I think it's relevant. Um, they oh, worked out LiAngelo Ball, and they said that he tried real hard, but that he did not impress. And I just wanted to talk about this story because I thought it was so funny. And I laughed really hard, <laughs> hard about it today. He tried really hard. He said, <laughs> Ramona Shelburne reported that that uh, somebody that was at the workout from the Lakers said he tried hard. <laughs> you don't even don't even give a statement if it's going to be he tried hard. It wasn't. A, I don't think it was a statement. I think it was. It wasn't like a straight up statement. It was just like what she heard from a, from somebody that was there. But oh, I thought that was so funny. I just had to. We had to talk about it for a second. He sweat a lot. He did, he did sweat a lot. I saw him. Uh, I saw one video where he, he took a layup and he ran to the other side and was supposed to take a uh, free throw shot and he bricked it uh, in a gym by himself. And then I was oh, like, oh, we're done. And I, I read one article. I can't remember where it was from. Uh, it could have been sporting news or it could have been. No, I think it was complex that uh, said that it didn't go well. And at the very end of the article, it said that. The one thing he does well is three-point shooting, and he still doesn't do that very well. <laughs> it's like it's piling on. Anyway, so RIP, RIP to the Ball family, man. I think they're, I think they're done. Please, let's hope. I think that I, we haven't heard. When's the last time we heard from Lavar? Ever since Carlisle laid the smack down. Honestly, <laughs> we brought it. We brought it back to Mavericks. Honestly, ever since that Carlisle story, we haven't heard a peep from Ever since the coaches pretty much told ESPN, saying, if you want our exclusive interviews and you want us to give you information and stories, you better shut this crap up. All right. So. And they're like, all right, we're good. Like, all right. No more LeVar. It also helped that I think uh, LeVar kicked out Jonathan Good- or Jeff Goodman, the uh, ESPN reporter that was over there. I'm sure Jeff was like, let me go home. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I've been here a couple (laughs) weeks. I'm okay. And then that, uh, there's that LiAngelo ball story that came out. That was really, really good. And then after that, I was like, well, this, this story has been told now. (laughs) So we're, we're good. I think it was bleacher report. Uh, it was a girl from bleacher Report. I can't remember her name, but it was a really, really good story. And so then after that, I was like, well, we're done here. (laughs) Let's move on. (laughs) Anyway, speaking of moving on Isaac, let's move on to our main story today. Let's talk about, uh, Guards the Mavericks could target with their number 33 or maybe even 55 pick. Yeah, so. So, so with. So we're looking at the second round pick, mainly looking at 33 or the 54th pick, 55, whatever in that. Um, 
and you look at the situation of saying, okay, what if Dallas lands Bamba Jackson a big with that first pick? Yeah. With that 33 pick, you you'd like for them to go wing, possibly, you know, we're we're saying we're using guard with this, like a point shooting guard. There's a couple of guys that we're gonna talk about next week that are more just wings that could be considered a guard, but like Josh Koji, like we're gonna push him Grayson next Allen's. week. Yeah, like we're pushing him the next week. Could be a two guard. But uh, we're going to try to focus on just, like, points and some shooting guards. Like, I got a couple shooting guards for me. But um, so when you really look at the roster, I want to just talk about the roster real quick. I'm saying, well, why would we draft a point guard or why would we draft a, a um, any type of guard? Well, when you look at it, we have Dennis at, at point guard. That's set in stone. Wes yeah. picked up his option. So Wes is going to be there, too, unless we trade him. And JJ is going to be there at the backup point. After that, Yogi's a restricted free agent. Seth Seth Curry's unrestricted, and like that's it. Yeah, so, last year they were playing uh, with Seth out. They were playing Dorian at two. <laughs> so yeah, and then like they even ran Doug a little bit at two when they brought him in. So like yeah, and Devin's traded, even, so he's gone. He could come back, but if you even look at it more, of saying, well, crap, if Wes isn't expiring, if they do swing for the fences for like a. Uh, a trade for a big or another like wing or something like that, then West could be traded at some point in the season. Then you're just looking at Dennis and JJ. So if Yogi does get priced out, which I would be kind of surprised if both Yogi and Seth are gone. Um, yeah. But there's still a possibility. So who, who would you rather? Um, Man, that's tough. I would probably. That's not tough for me. Well, I think Seth will cost less. I think Yogi will cost more, but I probably want Yogi. I want Yogi. Yeah, I'll take Yogi. Yogi's, I mean, yeah. He's such a great backup point. He just um, perfect. I think it's almost in the bag that Devin Harris will be back. Uh, Devin's also playing the Dirk Celebrity game uh, yeah. next <laughs> Friday. I wish that in the press release they would just say, former future Maverick. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think he, I think he will be, Man, back we're going to look, sure. so, we're going to look so dumb if that doesn't happen. Oh, come on. Well, Donnie <laughs> laid that Easter egg right out there he did. when he did, but anyway, so g- drafting a guard at 33, it's not a bad decision. It's not like you're drafting somebody and saying, I mean, they could very well step in and be West West Matthews's main backup next year and, you know, get decent amount of minutes with JJ Barea off the bench. And even if we do bring back one of Yogi and Seth, We've seen how much you know the Mavericks use a bunch of guards and stuff. I mean, JJ Yogi and a second round guard is great. Like that's that's what you want. I mean, so anyway, that's the scenario in which we could see some of these guards going at thirty three. All right, one of my uh, first guys, Isaac and I each each have three guys we want to talk about is Shake Milton. The guard from SMU, he's 6'6", six, six, foot wingspan, so really good length for a guard. Uh, he'd definitely be a three, <laughs> a backup three for Carlisle's system uh, with that length. He's going to be 21 and a half years old on draft night. He uh, he averaged 18 points, four and a half rebounds, four and a half assists, and one and a half steals uh, his last year in college. He shot 45% from the field, 43% from three, and 85% from the, uh, the free throw line. Uh, in his last year in college and overall in his three years at SMU, he shot 43% from three. So just a, a really good three point shooter. Uh, he's, he's ideally going to be your, your like a three and D kind of guard. 
that you can have. Uh, but his defense is not exactly there. Um, he can he can guard pretty well facing up. Like if you have a one on one on him, but team in the in like team defensive schemes, which the Mavericks do a lot. Uh, he kind of struggles in that. He struggles with with you know finishing around the rim and kind of finishing plays for himself. And he's really really thin too. Those are his, I think his main three weaknesses. So uh, for him, you're looking at you, you hope that he's a three and D kind of guy. You're hoping to develop, you know, get him into a system, develop his body a little bit more, get give him some better, uh, give him a better scheme to work with. Uh, he could be a third guard slash, you know, wing off the bench in that bench unit. He'd be like your uh, like the Devin Harris role, the Yogi Ferrell role in that in that you know that backup unit that the Mavs had. Yeah, that was my question for you. What what you viewed him at his like position and if it matters because like he went into the combine as any you know he was a point guard and he registered the longest wingspan in combine history for a point guard yeah because he was you know they they're labeled as a certain position and with the seven foot wingspan so like do you view him as because i think this is where it gets down to guard prospects are you down with dallas drafting a pure point guard prospect and i don't think shake milton is just a pure point guard i think he can play the two for sure but that's where like we'll talk about a guy here in a little bit that fits that moment. It's like, okay, where would he, you know, if they bring back Yogi, could Shake Milton fit uh, off the ball with like JJ or Yogi? Yeah. See, I feel like he could. I feel like, it, especially in the NBA now, you, you need a couple playmakers at the same time. And if, if Shake Milton can be your secondary playmaker, so you have like, if he plays next to JJ, I mean, that that's such a great, that'd be such a great role for him. I feel like he could really thrive in that, in that scenario. Uh, so I see him as your like, I say third guard, but he's really like your fourth guard coming off the bench. Like you have that playmaker, like your uh, your Lou Williams type, or your you know your JJ type, or the guy that's going to make the plays. And you have Shake Milton next to him that if you know if need be, he can make a play or he can hit a spot up three. He can defend sort of your bigger you know guards if you have somebody that you're needing to defend there. Um, in Carlisle system though, if you have if you have Yogi and you have JJ, let's say one of those is back or Seth is back, then you have Shake as like your third, you know, your third yeah. guard in that in that scenario. That would be, I mean, even better, I think, for him. Yeah, he's twenty one and a half years old, I think. Yeah. He might be yeah, he might be twenty two after mm-hmm. the draft. So he's a little you know. older, but got some experience. Um you know, hometown guy. I mean, well, as far as like you went to SMU, there's a lot of I'm, good Lord. I feel like Eddie Sefko like is his grandpa or something because <laughs> he's tweeted out so much that he wants like Dallas to take him. Um, you know, a lot of Dallas people are, are about this pick of keeping him here, keeping him in Dallas for the Mavericks, stuff like that. I don't mind him. I just I think it's just a simple. It's kind of like Jaron Jackson. I, like I like him, but there's just I think there's a couple more guys that I like more that could be at that spot. But if they walked away with him, you know me, I love size, so I yeah. like I love this the six six seven foot wingspan, and you can you can't have that enough. So it's not like he's a short guy that I'm like I don't know if I really want him. I would be fine with. Him. He is super thin, and he doesn't for that size. He's not the defender. He's not. He's not like Josh Okoji for like that size. Or like that, Frank Nilakina is a pretty good comp for him. Like in the style that they play, he's not. Yeah. The, he's not the defender that Frank is, and that's why Frank went, you know went so high. Yeah, and I think he could play Delon Wright. He reminds me a lot of Delon yeah, Wright for the Raptors. And, yeah, and I think him. What 
DeLon Wright and Van Vliet do off the bench for Toronto could be what like Shake Milton, like JJ could do off the bench for Dallas. Shake Milton and Yogi would be a really nice bench backcourt. Yeah, and like like long term. And what could like could he ever start with Dennis? Because like you, I wouldn't say you're going into 33 saying, "Oh my gosh, let's get a guy that could potentially be a starter." Because that would be kind of hard. Yeah, but you're looking for I, a guy that could have the ceiling of a starter. You know, like in, if yeah. you're swinging for something that, you know, he could be a real piece. I, I don't, I don't know if Shake Milton is that. He could be. I don't know. He he would have to. He'd have to fill out some more. We'd have to see some more on the defensive end. Um, but like you see what I'm saying? Like I wouldn't. Yeah. There's two young cornerstones that are going to be here for the next decade, and that's Dennis Smith Jr. and whoever you draft at five. Let's just say it's a center in Jackson Bomba, whoever it is. Yeah, Bagley. So, like, I don't want to take a pure point guard, and I don't want to take a pure center with that 33 pick. I want to see – I want to leave open the realm of possibility that this 33rd pick could possibly be a starter one day if everything hits right. Yeah, if everything hits right, I think Shake Mellon could start next to Dennis. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I agree with that. Then – there's another okay. We'll talk about him. Go ahead, yeah. The, well, go ahead. The the uh, I did. I took a bunch of random mock drafts, like four or five mock drafts that I saw that went two rounds. Now not, a lot of them aren't like reputable. One of them had Shake Milton going sixty, and I was like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know about that. Another one had him going like nineteen. So I was like, oh, let me just take the average of all these, and the average was he went around forty one. Pick like pick forty one, which I think okay. is pr- probably pretty pretty fair. So he's gonna be he's probably gonna be available for the Mavericks. Um. Yeah, I think the ringer had him in like the twenties in the first round, you know, which is crazy. I know, I know they like him a lot, but it would be interesting for sure. And I, I, I agree with you. I think he could play the two, one, two, maybe even the three. That special three. We'll call it the special, the, the Devin Harris three. The special three. So the guy I was going to say is it's one of your guys, so we're going to kind of go out of order. But like Javon Carter. Yeah, Javon Carter is another guy that I had, the guard from West Virginia. He's 6'2", the 6'4", wingspan, so not super uh, long there. He's going to be 22 on draft day. Uh, His senior year for West Virginia, he averaged 34 minutes, which I think is the most impressive thing (laughs) because they do that full-court press. They they work really hard. and it's just it's kind of amazing that he played that many minutes. He averaged 17 points, four and a half rebounds, six and a half assists, three steals per game. Um, that's not per 40 numbers. Those that's not per 36. That's his straight up averages. Uh, so super impressive. His strength for him is defense, motor. He's super aggressive. Strength. He's super strong. Imagine uh, he's not Patrick Beverly, but he's like imagine PJ Tucker had Patrick Beverly's like aggression and like defensive motor. You know, yeah. <laughs> like imagine that kind of a guy. Uh, he's a fairly decent shooter. Um, weaknesses for him, he's not a real playmaker. Like you're not going to give him the ball and say, "Go get me a bucket." I don't think not in the NBA level. Um, and then his size sort of limits who he can defend. But I mean, Chris Webber's been saying that PJ Tucker's the shortest guy on the floor all <laughs> all the Western Conference Finals. It's not super true, but you know, you I think in in this NBA, nobody. Like there's not a lot of wings or guards that are going to try to back down somebody, you know. Like there's your LeBrons, obviously, but you're not they're not really posting guys too much. So I think he could get away with guarding more guys than than a lot of people think. Um, but those are kind of his his weaknesses. He's not going to be a guy that lights up from three or creates a lot of plays off the dribble. 
um, his fit, he would be the backup point. He'd be like your Marcus Smart, sort of a situational defender. You bring him in. He could play next to Dennis, I think. Um, it would be be kind of difficult, but you have, you know, yeah, it would be certain situations he could he could play next to Dennis, uh, or be your you know be your backup point guard. And then availability in the average of the mocks that I saw, he went around thirty nine. Yeah, I think like a Patrick Beverly comp would be is good for him. I think his still numbers, as good as he is defensively and as aggressive he is, I think they're a little skewed, mainly because West Virginia played a press like yeah. pretty much the whole day. You're season. taking advantage of, of a poor ball handler, like one guy, and then you just take advantage over and over and over again. You try to just rack up those steals. Yeah. There's and, not I that mean, many of those in the NBA. And he was great at it. And like he was one of the biggest standouts at the combine. People loved him. Yeah. Um, whereas like Shake Milton, like he was one of the followers at the combat. Like he didn't look great at the combat, didn't stick out for seven to five on five. But in this situation, I prefer Shake Milton over Javon Carter because this is why I brought him up. I just don't I don't think he could play with Dennis because of the size. I mean at six four, then Dennis at six three. But the size in what way though? I just want well, I offensively or defensively. Well, I just think you're looking at like a yogi situation. I think if they're both playing, something went drastically wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably it's, it's probably true. You definitely you'd you'd want a better three point shooter. You'd want a guy that can maybe you know, ah, yeah, you'd want a better three point shooter for sure in that. But defensively, I think he could cover up a lot of what Dennis can't do. Uh, and then how many how many two guards are really going to take advantage of Javon Carter's size? And yeah. he's not like he's 5'10 either. He's 6'2. So he's like, you know, a couple inches shorter than Harden. And Harden's not really going to back him down that much. Or you think about like Eric Gordon. He's like two inches shorter than Eric Gordon. <laughs> it's not going to be a huge, big difference. Uh, Clay Thompson, though, Clay Thompson's like 6'7. So a guy like yeah. that is, it would probably take advantage of him. He could post him up. But just with his strength, it's going to be hard to, it's going to be hard to post up that dude. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be really hard. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be like a just a little mini tank kind of. I mean, he's not like... I think P.J. Tucker's a better comparison than Patrick Beverly, to be honest. Oh, well, P.J. Tucker can guard like... He's going to guard small forwards and power forwards. I mean, He's a shorter P.J. Tucker. Javon Carter is going to be a point guard for sure. And that's... That's my only thing with him. We already have JJ. I'm pretty sure he's a he's gonna turn 33. Pretty, I mean 23. Um, <laughs> I was like, dang, he, he looks. No wonder he took advantage of all these guys. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's about to turn 23. Also, uh, I it, this is one of those things where I love his game and I love the prospect he is, and I think he will be a great pick for somebody in the second round. I just don't like the fit with Dallas because of Dennis, and we're committed to JJ and. I think especially it, especially if we bring back Yogi or Seth, yeah, like yeah. then you're looking at four guys on the roster under six three, so six three or under, and I I, I want size. So I like but the I, idea, but I don't think that it'll work, and I don't think that they would do it. I think I think it could not not that I like the idea. I think it could work. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I think it could work, but yeah, I wouldn't if if given all the options that we have, the, the guys that we're talking about today, I would not pick him. I would pick, if you're I would pick me, Shake above Javon Carter. And if you're telling, but if you're telling me to pick one guy in the second round that's going to be playing in the playoffs next year and getting like 
a Matthew Dellavedova type role for a playoff team, I'm like, it's Javon Carter. Like or he's going to be in there scrapping, guarding people, getting up in the grill, get earning minutes for some playoff team probably next year. Yeah. And we're like, man, look at that pick. And I believe that. I just. Why yeah. would you rather have Marcus Smart than Javon Carter? Uh, bigger, longer arms. I'm pretty sure Marcus Smart is like a 6'10", 6'11", wingspan. Yeah, and that matters a lot. And he just was smart. Like, he he can guard. I mean, Marcus Smart can hold his ground against, like, four sometimes. And like Javon Carter, he's just a little smaller than smart. And he's just proven with that. There's a couple. Uh, it's funny you say Marcus Smart because I have a couple dudes that remind me a little bit more of Marcus Smart. Um, it's just, yeah. He's just a, he's just a little bit smaller than, especially watching the five on five on the combine. Like he stuck out, but he also stuck out because he was a little smaller. Also, let me go ahead and just give my last guy. Uh, I DeAnthony Melton is the last guy for me. He's six three with a six eight wingspan. He's the guard from USC. He did not play last year because of the uh, whole FBI scandal. He had to sit out a year, uh, and he missed all last season. He's going to be twenty years old on draft day. Uh, in 2016-17, which is his freshman year at USC, he averaged eight points, four and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, uh, almost two steals and a block a game. Uh, so that versatility, that defense, he's he's gets a lot of you know steals, obviously, and he got blocks for a guard, a six-three guard getting you know a block a game is pretty pretty awesome. Uh, the versatility is athletic. He can do some you know playmaking and transition, and then defense. Uh, his weakness is shooting. He just did not shoot very well. I think he shot like 28% from three or something like that. His mechanics are, are very, are actually very interesting. Uh, his shoulders are like, like they do not move. <laughs> you know, like he, he kind of like the way he shoots, he almost looks like a toy soldier where you, you know, you pull the thing on his back and the arms sort of go up and he jumps and then he comes back down and his shoulders were just in the same spot. Uh, so shooting is really a problem. And then I, I don't know. He, the average, for where he was drafted uh, in all of these mocks was 33, so it was higher than the other two guys. But I, I am not interested in D'Anthony Melton. If you, if I have a guard that cannot shoot that is 6'3", I'm just not really interested. So I don't see any kind of role or fit on the Mavericks. It just doesn't, it just doesn't really seem like it would fit for me. And what's crazy is, man, he got a ton of love at the Combine because he's one of these like mystery guys to where, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about him just because he hadn't played. Yeah. And... Uh, a lot of draft people were like ready, waiting for him to come into the combine measure. He played, he did play really well in the five on fives, but there's, there are certain guys that, you know, like your Javon Carter's or like your D'Anthony Melton that are going to look better in these like random, let's throw you out with no game plan and just sort of go play like your street ball sort of thing that those guys that they have their game on like a, uh, player by player level you know what i mean like your, your player yeah. in it, like your contains one specific player is going to look better than like your guy that needs a system to go out and play you know yeah uh, those guys are going to look a little bit better and you know i will say this out of the three guys that you've mentioned i think he will he could be a first round pick more than the other two man like what what kind of role would he have in the nba though i, I don't I don't know. Well, I just I've seen different stuff that his jump shot has improved some, you know, just I don't know. I've just If that's the case then yeah, he could be like your 3 and D, but he's 6-3 though. That's See, he's not like you're not getting super awesome defense like you get from Javon Carter. You're not getting like the length that you would get from like a Shake Milton. And so for me, I get he's 6-8 wingspan. So that's pretty good, but Yeah. I don't know. I don't really see it. I see him as like a 
a shorter like I don't know. It just seems like it's so easy to flame out if you're just so reliant on athleticism to me. I could see it. Yeah, for sure. And if you don't think you can play off off the ball, then let's not go for it. Watch me be super wrong about this and he just like blow up. That's why we're we're going to be really picky on the guards because I think you just can't go wrong with drafting a wing. Like any of the wings we mentioned in our pod next week, let's roll with it. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah. Uh, with guards, I think you have to be a little bit more selective because you have, they have to be able to play off the ball because we already have our point guard uh, for the future. Point guards. But, we have multiple <laughs> point guards. Uh, I'll give you a couple guys. I, two of my guys I think could be gone in the first round, but my first guy's Bruce Brown from Miami. Tangabon actually has him going to the Mavericks. Do they really? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, I really like Bruce Brown a lot. He was... So, a lot of people considered him to be the guy at Miami two years ago. And he was. And he was like... He tore it up with the... uh, With the season. A lot of people thought he was going to come out. He was projected to be like a late lottery pick, maybe in the 20s. And he decides to come back to school. Surprise some people. Comes back. Lonnie Walker is there at Miami. It's like a two-man show. Miami has all this hype around going into their season. We got Bruce Brown. We got Lonnie Walker. We're going to kill it. And, of course, you know I love Lonnie Walker. Yeah. He comes out. He plays 19 games and has a season-ending foot injury. And that was the that was the killer of it's, – it's one of those examples of if you come back to school – this is the this is the risk that you make it, yeah. and so he can so he does that. So now he's been you know obviously recovering, rehab, and all this stuff. And I've seen a lot of a lot of good things over the past couple weeks about how well he's looked. I've seen some footage of some of his shots at these pro days in L.A. I know I saw a dunk of his last night on Gavoni or one of them's uh, Twitter feed to where I mean he just threw it down with ease and. What he could be is, you know, he's he's almost twenty. Well, he is twenty one years old. He's six five, six nine wingspan. So almost uh, a little bit under uh, the Marcus Smart type of thing. But his like big thing is, man, he is that versatile bulldog type of defender. And when they did that ESPN live uh, mock draft the other night, that Cassidy Hubbard asked the people at the desk, they said, hey, who's a guy that down towards the bottom of the first, early second, that could prove a lot of people wrong or maybe could go a little bit higher than expected? And Seth Greenberg, the you know college basketball guy, said Bruce Brown. And he's like, man, I, I, he's a huge believer in him. Now his big thing is like in his limited time, he didn't shoot the ball that well from three. So he yeah. lacks that like consistent shot. His first year shot 35% from three, and then his second year when he his uh, abbreviated second year was 27% from three. Yeah, and that was the short season. You know, so I think I think he's I would lean more towards that first year, that 34, 35% shooter. And then you, you look at his free throw percentage too. His his last year, you know, the abbreviated one, he was 63% free throw shooters. You're like, dang, that's not really good. But his first year is 74%. So that's yeah, that's fine. You know, it's not great, but yeah, so and, and his shot doesn't look like horrible. It really it has a really nice arch to it. I think he's just gotta clean up the mechanics part of it. But I like Bruce Brown a lot. I think he could be gone. Um, but I do like him. If he's there, he he's the guy, it's one of those guys where he has the size that he can play. Yeah, you know, he's gonna play off the bar. He's gonna be like a, a Wes Matthews backup if they trade West. You know, you could plug him in, at least get some minutes there at the two. 
Um, I'll just go ahead and, and go with the next guy too that is really similar and will probably probably will be a first round pick. But I've seen some mocks where he goes down, and that's Kyrie Thomas out of Creighton. Yeah, he was getting a lot of love at the combine. Yeah, he got a lot of love. He's really similar, almost identical measure uh, measurements to Marcus Smart as far as six four, six five, six ten wingspan. He's, I mean, every bit of a three and D guy as the, as your two guard. He shot forty percent from three at Creighton. I actually watched a decent amount of his tape today on Synergy, and man, he's got he's already got like the body. He's already got the thick frame. He can switch on multiple positions, play, you know, switch off to one through three. He, if you want to throw the Marcus Smart comp out there, whatever. The thing with him is, and this is like, it, this is okay to me, but might not be okay with some people, is he's not like an isolation guy. He's not a guy to say, throw it to him and say, go get in a bucket. He's going to be like kind of what Wes, what you want Wesley Matthews to be now, like guard the other he's gonna be a three and d guy so like when we cringe that when wesley matthews tries to create and stuff we're like no don't stop dribbling (laughs) um he doesn't have that right now because he's really sloppy with it and he just can't like he just doesn't have that but he shoots 40 percent from three so that's awesome and he can guard multiple positions so yeah i mean he i think he'll be a pick in the 20s but if for some reason he did fall to 33 i want to scoop him up really quick i'm in i'm in uh, lastly, it's my it's my deep flyer. It's not really super deep, but like obviously you get him at fifty something. Thirty three is probably a reach, but it's Hami Dialu. Uh, I think guy. it's Hamidu. It's not my guy, but that is your guy. Uh, he is from Kentucky. This guy was like this freak athlete last year that didn't play at all for Kentucky. But, like, tested the draft waters, goes into the combine last year, registers the highest vertical of everybody at the combine last year. It's, like, 45-inch vertical. It was just, like, insane. But he was just, like, super raw. Still super, super raw. And decided to come back to Kentucky. He had this expanded role. He didn't take the leap that a lot of people thought he would or should. Uh, in, in my opinion, also, like, I thought he would – I thought we would talk, be talking about Diallo as a 18 to 25 pick in this year's draft. And he just he didn't take that step. But in a, for a second-round flyer, I'm all about it. Yeah. The dude still has a 40-plus-inch vertical. He's you know 6'6 with a 7-foot wingspan. And out of the, all the guys we've mentioned, he's still 19 years old. So and I'm putting him in the I'm putting him in the guard category because he played this two guard, you know, one at times for Kentucky. And I'll tell you what's crazy about him is he's super raw, but if you watch him in transition, holy crap. Like he's pretty crazy in transition. He throws down some insane dunks and he actually has like a pretty good feel with contact and everything. It's just when you start to ask a, a ton from him, He's still just you got to be able to. I, you know, I tweeted out a video of him earlier today, and uh, you know, of course, people are gonna tweet at you. And first person's like, "Yeah, he's not a good basketball player." No, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not saying he he should be your sixth man right now, but if I'm especially if I'm picking at 54 and he's still there, I'm I want to scoop him up because he has that potential to be this versatile defender. He's super athletic. His shot is his biggest question mark and just getting that down and everything. But it's definitely somebody I'm willing to take a flyer on and work with, especially at that 50-something pick. So, oh, yeah, for sure. I'd rather take a swing on a guy like that than a guy where you're like, I kind of know what he's going to be, but 
you're not going to get anything more. You know, he's got that that high ceiling that could be could become something. Yeah, and you know, there's obviously there's some guys that we haven't mentioned just to throw their names out there. We're not going to do like deep dives on it, but like Anthony Simons, like I I liked him. You know, I like him, but he's a, he's just another guy that's six three. I think he's just better suited to be a point guard. And I would like to fly in a hypothetical world. I would love to take a flyer on a, t- a guy like that. He's going to be like the first guy. I don't even know first guy since the last high school that guy that will come straight out of high school. Well, so, Thon Maker. Okay, Thon Maker. Yeah. So like he's coming straight out of high school and he's going to go in the draft. Some weird rules and stuff with that, but he's super young, super raw. Dante Divincenzo, like. I think he's going to be a first-round pick. Yeah. He stayed in the draft for a reason. A lot of people have Simons as a first-round pick, too. Okay. <clears throat> um, the guy from Boston College, Jerome Robinson, he's like a combo guard. I like him. It's just a matter of can he fit with Dennis. He shot 40% from three. He's like 6'5". Um, he got a lot of love, too. and He could sneak into the first. And a lot of mock drafts have him in that like Golden State Brooklyn range at the bottom of the first, but <clears throat> Gary Trent Jr. He's a dookie. He, he can shoot the <laughs> lights out. It's just a matter of can he do anything else. I think it's a little high for him at thirty three, and then it, we just don't know what the Mavericks going to do with their fifty something pick. Is that going to be a draft and stash? Is it going to be like a two way type of guy? Is it going to be somebody that they don't even like? One on the you don't care about the roster. Um, you remember the last time the Mavs had the fifty fifth pick? No, is it Sotnam? No, they took uh, AJ Hammonds. Oh snap! It was Hammonds. We got so psyched about that. That was the only pick in the draft that, <laughs> that was, they had. Ooh, that was a brutal draft. <clears throat> and I'll and I'll and the last name I'll mention is uh, is Elia Kobo, and Kobo is getting a lot of love right now, and rightfully so. He just had a huge game the other day to where he had forty four points, and I watched a lot of that tape, and the he. He really could be one of the best point guards of this draft, depending on how he develops and what situation he goes to. I think he was a really, really good possibility he could sneak into the first round. But it's just Whoa. one of those things where I like him a lot. I just don't know how he could fit with Dennis. And yeah. we have Dennis already. And spending a pick on a backup point guard that will just back up Dennis for the next five years or however long, like, I just I want somebody with the potential that could step in and play with Dennis in our top draft pick, and that's why we we're like a broken record. Nick and I just keep on saying wings, wings, wings. Um, it's like Buffalo Wild Wings, but so Pluckers. just getting those just getting those names out there. I, I do like a Kobo a lot. It just comes down that we we have Dennis for sure. So that's uh those are some of the second round guards that we're going to target. For the Mavericks in their uh, with their two second round picks, some interesting names there, some guys to be thinking about. We are going to do our uh, second round wings sometime uh, next week, I think. So we'll talk about a lot of those guys that uh, we'll be a little bit more excited about than <laughs> than these guys. Yeah. Uh, these guys not super excited about. So that's all we have for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. Um, we will be talking about uh, man. Monday, we got our big – this is probably the biggest draft profile. We got Mohamed Bamba. Oh, gosh, man. That's, that's a big one. That'll probably reset. So the, our Mar- Marvin Bagley profile set the record for most listens ever, yeah. which you know, was crazy. This Bamba, Jaron Jackson <laughs> groove through there will probably uh, – might surpass it.
It's going to be a good week. We have Bomba on Monday we're doing, and then Friday we're doing uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. So good uh, good bookends for the week. Good bookends, solid week. And then that's so that's next week. The week after that, we are stock full with a bunch of profiles all week. And then that next week is the draft. This draft week gets insane. It's draft week. It's on a Friday. So, uh, yeah, we will have we will be at the draft most likely. We both will. Uh, and we not will, at the actual draft, but at the where the Mavs draft. No, we will be at the Mavs draft thing. We'll be at American Airlines Center. They have a media thing uh, for all media to come there, just like last year. If you didn't follow us last year, it, yeah. it's a really cool event. They like cater food for us. Donnie and everybody, the war rooms, it's like right above us. When they make the pick, they come down and talk to us. It could be a, you know, it's going to be a fun night. This is going to be like super, probably the most fun draft of the past, I don't know how long, because not only do we have a top five pick, we have two second rounders. They can move up. They could obtain another pick. You can take on salary. Like, there's a lot of moving parts. So we're going to be there until probably like one o'clock that night because there's just going to be a lot of t- stuff to talk about. Yeah, they're going to have press conferences. Finley talked to us last year. We talked to Dennis last year after the draft. They like called him in and put him on speakerphone. So there's this. It's going to be a crazy night, and I know Mavs fans are just all ready for it. Also, it's going to be super fun. We're super excited about it, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Peace out. Boom.